Tis the season. We're in a season right now. It's kind of obvious. Look, look at the beautiful flowers, trees, and lights. We're very aware. Um, we're always in seasons, though. And you're in seasons, too. You're, you might be going through some very difficult seasons right now. You might be in some seasons of blessing. But the main season we can all know and feel if we look around is Christmas, right? It's the Christmas holiday season. We put our tree up before Thanksgiving, so we were in the Christmas mode really early this year. And actually, I have all my presents wrapped for my wife and done. So I'm, I'm like, I was telling Allegra over is Allegra the other day, is Christmas over yet? I feel like, you know, we're prepared so early. But we're in this season. Yeah, I'm going to need that. Thanks. Thank you. My wife is amazing. Love her so much. So I, you may have heard this before, but I, I really, this like means so much to me. Holiday. That really means holy day. Did you know that's where that comes from? Holiday. So we're all like, you know, happy holidays. It's Christmas. It's, and there's a lot of different um, celebrations going on besides the Christ celebration, um, and that's unfortunate. So holy means just to be set apart. Sometimes we think it's this super, um, I travel on missions and I go sometimes in Europe in these cathedrals and you get this sense of this sacredness and this holiness, but really it's not as mystical it's, as that. It's whatever you set apart is holy. And there can be things that you shouldn't be setting apart that are holy. They're holy to you. They're not holy to God. But for us as believers, and I think it's a Wednesday night and everyone here is, is believers, Christ followers. It means for us that we should be set apart by God, to God, and for God, Okay? That, that's what that means. We want to make sure we're not making things holy that aren't holy to the Lord. And it can be very innocent. It could be the things that we've decided to make symbolic, such as our gift giving or our, our feast times, our coming together and fellowshipping. But when it starts to be set apart for you and not for the Lord, it's, it's kind of a false holiness. It's a counterfeit holy. Too often, and I'm guilty of this, we make things holy that aren't holy to God. So during this season, we want to make sure we know what we're being set apart for. We want to, we want to know that what we are being set apart for is holy to the Lord. So what holy days are we celebrating? There's a familiar Christmas song. You guys probably all know this, guys and gals. Deck the halls. I used to, as a kid, think it was balls of holly. Like, what's a holly ball? But then you have to read that it's B-O-U-G-H, and that has to do with a big swag of holly, right? Is that what that means, Karen? You're the chief decorator, right? So holly boughs. is deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be what? Jolly. I looked that up because I wondered what that meant, and there was a couple s speculations. 
And everyone that knows the whole Santa Claus attachment to Christmas might get the wrong idea that, oh, we're supposed to, you know, the jolly laughing of, of the good-natured old elf that's based loosely on a saint that existed at one time. But that's not really what jolly means there. And I want to call our attention to something. Have you ever heard someone... My wife was in ShopRite today and the lines were crazy because they didn't, didn't have enough workers there. Have you ever heard someone say the opposite of what they meant and they said, tis the season? What does that mean? I don't like what's going on. It's the time of year where everyone acts like idiots, where everything goes wrong, right? Have you heard the... the, the the sarcastic version of that, they don't mean jolly. They mean when people are acting badly, tis the season. It's a really terrible expectation to express that. When your Amazon package is on back order, tis the season. When the cat ruins the Christmas tree, come on, just be real. Every once in a while, out of frustration, these things might have crossed your lips. We don't want to live that way. But that isn't what the season about. It's, it's not what the season is about. We shouldn't be saying tis the season if we don't mean it in a good way. We want the season to be jolly. It says tis the season to be jolly. Not sarcastic. It's not the season of sarcasm. Uh, it's not the season of sentimentality, although I think a lot of people think that's really what it's about. It's not the season to be comforted by the warm glow of a fireplace and the smell of roasted chestnuts. Can you just smell the chestnuts? Can you, can you feel that ambiance? Those things are nice. But that isn't what the season is about. Tis the season to be jolly. Jolly means joyful. To be full of joy. You know, there's so many things, so many good things come from true joy. Not just our version of temporary happiness or holiday goodness, but true joy. You know where true joy comes from? It comes from Jesus, it comes from the Lord. When we understand His kind of joy, then strength comes from joy. Tis the season to be joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy from the Lord is a source of strength. Are you feeling weak? Is Christmas running you over? Did the Christmas bus back you over? You've lost joy from the Lord. Something stole it, and we want to locate that. And while I'm talking a lot about joy, my ultimate end here is hope, but I'll get to that. Let's look at Nehemiah. I think I'm with my notes, and they should be there with me too. Nehemiah 8. Are we ready to throw that? There we go. Verse 10. I study the Bible a lot. I'm a pastor. I have to prepare for a message. I got a theology degree along with my music degree at ORU. But I learned something about the context of this verse. You know how we quote verses a lot and they just become something we say and then sometimes we're not sure what it's all about. So this is what this says. Then he said to them, go your way 
eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. We just talked about holiness and holidays. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This just blew my mind. The people of God were so sorrowful because they had backslidden, they had fallen from him, they weren't honoring him, they had totally fallen off the plan he had for their lives. And at the reading of the word of God, they felt guilty and convicted and sorrowful. And the Lord didn't come and give them a guilt trip and say, that's right. You're just a bunch of lousy, no good for nothing, mess up people. I wish I never know. He says, celebrate. Have a holiday. Don't be grieved. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What happens when we realize we're sinners in need of a Savior? It's a joyful time, isn't it? Because when you realize you need a Savior, then you realize that there is a Savior, and His name is Jesus. He said essentially this, This is good news. You're now free. You know the truth, and the truth has set you free. Psalm 1611 Everybody still here? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Tis the season to be jolly. Tis the season to be full of joy. Where does joy come from? The joy of the Lord is your strength when you realize I once was lost, but now I'm found. And joy comes when you know that you now have access to his presence. You were afar, you were kept out, but now you're in. And you can be in his presence. His presence is just a mention of his name away, as we did tonight, and as I hope we can do more of, because we need more praise. We need to break some stuff. We can't receive a gift we don't think we need, and we first need to be made aware of our hopeless condition without Christ as our Redeemer. This is the true gift. At first, it makes us sorrowful. Then the good news sets in, and we experience true joy and peace only if we repent and give our lives to him. I'm not going to dog on anything or anyone here. I just want to mention that there's a version of grace that's taught that kind of leaves the repentance part out, and we can't skip that. It is a turning back to God. It is a, yes, he loves you as you are. He wants you to come. He finds you as you are. But the key to coming is, I realize I'm a mess. I realize I'm a sinner. And now I need to have sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. It's not a switch that says, Jesus loves me and because of his grace, I'm okay and there's no heart change. See, that would be a wrong version of that. That would be a misrepresentation. And I would do you a tremendous injustice 
if I didn't tell you the truth. And because I love you, I tell you the truth. I want to make a play on words. It might be hard without a visual, but I'm going to spell it out. We just read that in his presence, there's fullness of joy, right? In his presence, that's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, in his presence. But I think in his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Do we have any Christmas presents? We don't. We just got flowers and trees. Oh, there's some over there. In his presence, in his gifts, there is fullness of joy. Are you following me? In his gifts, the gifts that he gives, true joy is found. What is one of those presents that will awaken us to a joy-filled and joyful existence? I'm about to get there. 1 Peter 1.18. 1.8, sorry, not 18. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Church, we walk by sight and not by faith. And <laughs> we walk by faith and not by sight. Discouragement is going to come, but you don't have to accept it. See, the fact that things seem like they're a mess, the fact that things are hard, the fact that it looks discourage, discouraging. Even though you don't see, you believe. That's faith. That's the walk of faith. That's how we come to Christ. That's how we live in Christ. People are waiting for joy to just get thrown on them. Like maybe if someone likes enough of my pictures on Instagram, or maybe... If people recognize what I did for them, or they recognize that I serve at the church, or they think I have a glowing personality, I'll be happy. No, joy isn't circumstantial, it's eternal, and it's a faith act. Believing that I haven't seen him face to face yet, I will one day. He's in me by his spirit, he's in us by his spirit, he's in the body by his spirit, that should cause inexpressible and glorious joy. Have you ever laughed so hard it's like, this is out of control? It's now hurting me and I can't stop? That's the kind of joy that should overtake us when we realize who we have in Christ Jesus, who we are in Christ Jesus, what he has done for us, the hope that we have. It's so much bigger. Tis the season to have joy. And I think if we get a hold of this tonight, and I'm going to shift over into hope, it can be an anchor for us. I read the statistic again today or heard it on the radio. It's the time of year where people get so seriously discouraged and depressed and suicides go through the roof and if there's any time where we need to have hope and let other people know that there's hope, it's now. See, whenever God does something good, whenever he shines a big light, the devil comes in with a big black blanket and tries to do the opposite of what God is doing. So it's Christmas. Of course the whole world goes nuts and tries to cover up the true meaning and the true fact of what it's about. 
take heart. There's hope. This is a season of hope. Church, I want to stir your heart again to come alive to hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in Jesus Christ. Faith is the substance of things what hoped for. Faith isn't based on what you see. Faith is based on what you hope for. And you hope for what is real because you know who the hopeful one is. The hope giver. The God of all hope. It's a season to stir our hearts, to walk by faith and look again at the hope we have in Christ Jesus. And if I would boil it down, I know we can talk a lot about giving and the wise men and the gifts and why we exchange gifts, but I think hope better distills the Christmas message and the Christmas season than even gift giving. Gifts are nice. The Lord showed me this as I was preparing this, for, the, for some reason, this message was so hard for me. It was like draft number 17. He showed me that we can only give something of value, of eternal value, when we first learn to receive. When we first learn to receive what God has done for us in the gift of Jesus Christ as Savior and Redeemer. So our response to him, Jesus came as a baby the incarnation, he comes into the world. Our response to him isn't, let me get on Amazon and buy a bunch of presents for my family and wrap them and give them to them. That's like a very poor shadow of even explaining what this is about. Our immediate response is to give to him. Give him glory. Give him honor. Give him worship. So don't get confused in all your gift giving. I'm not condemning it. Give lots of gifts. Some people, that's their love language. My love language is receiving gifts, I think. No, I'm just, just kidding. I'm a terrible present wrapper, but I think, I think I did a good job. Did an okay job. See, there's some nuggets here, and I hope you're catching these. The gifts are for him, not for us. And the gifts that he gives... In his P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S and in his P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, therefore his body. You're the body of Christ, but so is your neighbor. They're for us. What do we do in America with gifts? We consume them. We consume them. We take personal pleasure we are entertained by our gifts. That's not the picture of God has for gifts. True gifts aren't to be consumed. Listen, gifts are to be multiplied. Write that down. Gifts are to be multiplied. When God gives you something, it's time to multiply. What am I going to do with this? The alternative is, Depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. It's that serious. But I feared you, Lord, so I didn't do anything with it. No. All the more reason you have respect and honor for the giver of good gifts. You then multiply that back to him. It means you steward it. It's going to be painful. It's going to take some work. You're going to have to love people who aren't very lovable. Because that's who the gifts are for. 
gifts should grow the kingdom of God. That necktie you got, Uncle Ed, that's nice. It's probably going to end up in our clothing room next year. Or worse yet, the trash, right? We think about the Christmas story and about gifts given. We learn another Christmas carol quote, let earth receive the king. You receive the king by giving to him. We're marked. It's an indicator that we know how to receive when we give to him. See, our response to gifts to his presence and his presence. It has to be a vertical response immediately. It's got to be a heavenly act of worship. See, if I don't do this, this is empty and lifeless and of no good. I'm glad we believe in all the purposes of the church here. I'm glad that fellowship is a part of the purpose of the church. But fellowship without worship is a dead ship. I just made that up, but get the point. It isn't about us having food together and hanging out and being friends. If I don't have vertical, the horizontal is just, look, anyone can throw a party. Anyone can hang out together. And for someone to say that that is the primary function of the church, that's wrong. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. It's a sweet thing we experience as a result of our sacrificial act of worship. Do you know that? Truth be told, if I'm sacrificing to him, I'm going to hang out some people I don't like very much instead of only having the ones I like over for dinner. That was not part of my message. Sorry, it was a little free nugget. Where, where did I go? Back to my notes. The wise men received the king by worshiping him. This is another thing I just thought was cool. I've heard it said that, well, man, with all that gold, frankincense, and myrrh, like Jesus was set for life. Mary and Joseph would never have to pay their bills again. And, it, and it's kind of a cool thing to think about, but I'm almost wondering if Mary and Joseph just didn't take that gift and give it back to the Lord by giving it to the temple. Because wouldn't that be the response to say, thank you, Lord, for this miracle you sent the Savior. See, see how the thinking's different? One would have been, let's receive it and use it. Do you trust God? He's going to take care of you. As much as you can, get it back into the kingdom. Get it back into his hands. Amen. My prayer for you, as one of your pastors, and I am one of your pastors, I'm not the only one. My prayer for you as a brother, as a friend, if you see me as that, is that you have inexpressible joy this entire holiday season, from right now through the new year. And I pray that you come alive again to the revelation of one of God's greatest gifts in Christ Jesus, the gift of hope, the gift of hope. You're not hopeless. You might feel hopeless. It might seem hopeless. But if you have Jesus, you have hope and you have everything. And if you're a part of the body of Christ, you have a whole lot. 
We are here for each other. I don't think there's a practical need that the body couldn't fulfill. We don't need a big government in the United States. We need a church that does what the church is supposed to do. That's it. It would cure everything. No one would be hungry. No one would be homeless. No one would ever need food, clothing, or shelter. Does that blow your mind? That not only are we the spiritual powerhouse of the world, the healing, mighty power of God in the world, but we're the practical solution to the world. First Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Let's remember that we have hope and that people should see hope. They should say, I'm really discouraged this time of year, but what's your deal? Uh, you're not caught up in the whole trappings of this. There's something different. You carry hope. In fact, I know there's bad news you just got. I know you got family that's hurting. I know, I know things aren't the greatest, but you have hope. That's your invitation to witness about Jesus Christ. Tis the season for joy that overflows from the gift of hope in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us <laughs> to shame. I'm going to be honest with you. I need this message this time of year. Because I battle with melancholy feelings around the holidays. I can't always put my finger on it, but it, wants, it always wants to creep in. There's thoughts of Christmases gone by. There's thoughts of loved ones that are no longer with us. And just for me, I know other people experience this too. It can, it can be like a depressing wave that just wants to come. Everything around you seems like it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of year. And I think the thing that I battle with is the frustration that a lot of people around me are getting lost in all the wrong things too. And I just want it to be what it's supposed to be about. I want it to be about Jesus. I want it to be about hope. We need to understand something. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. Did you know that? Your life from birth to the time you go, you're still in the valley of the shadow of death because one man sinned, and so the earth is under a curse. So you're in that shadow. 
You're going to contend with it. You're going to suffer the effects of sin. You're going you're to go through hard times. You're going to go through disappointment in our mortal bodies. But that's not a reason to feel hopeless. It's a reason to feel hope. It's the very reason we can embrace hope. I've never met a perfect person, have you? I've never, I've never met a person who didn't have a problem, didn't face a challenge. Jesus said you're going to have persecutions, you're going to have tribulations. It's very unhealthy to think that somehow everything's always going to be perfect. Romans 8.18 I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You might be suffering a little bit. But there's glory that will be revealed in us in the age to come. But you know it already started being revealed on the inside of you now. And it's burning bright. And while your outward man is perishing, the inward is being renewed day by day, by day. The brightest Christmas display has nothing on the glory that is being revealed and will be revealed in us one day soon. We're going to go tomorrow, right? We're going to go annually. We make Christmas cookies and hot cocoa and pile in the car with Allegra and we go around and try to find the biggest light displays in the area. We just go. We love that. Love that tradition. And we're watching the Christmas light fight on TV. How many of you watch that show? Some of those people, I'm like, wow, there's like a jillion lights on their property. That has nothing on the glory of God that is going to be revealed in you one day soon. See, we can't let hope deferred make our hearts sick. See, Proverbs 13:12 says that. But you don't have to, to receive it. It may want to make us sick. Because hope deferred, Jesus, just come now. Just, just change the wor- world now and, and solve all our problems. Don't get sick because of that. Say, I have Jesus now. I have eternal joy now. I have hope now. And I have Jesus, the healer of all sickness and disease now. See, a lot of people quote that verse, and I'm like, but you don't have to be sick. You don't have to stay sick because your hope isn't really deferred. You have accepted Christ. You have him now. You have everything you need. He's the source of your joy. I want to encourage you when you feel the pressure and the weight of hope deferred, you have the choice to cast it off by inviting in the presence of the Lord where there is fullness of joy. Say, I'm going to stop and worship right now. I'm going to, Lord, I bless your name. I magnify you. I worship you. You're the high and holy one, the exalted one, but you love me. You live inside me. Your spirit is with me. Start worshiping the name of the Lord. And the joy will come. The fullness of the, of the Lord, the joy of the Lord will come. Sure, things aren't perfect. They're not going to be. But did you know that you and I were all being made perfect by the perfect one? It's a process. It's okay. It's a process. 
I'm having some personal struggles right now with people, family members from afar, no one you know. And I love it when people want to cast dispersion on the church or, or say you're preachy. But you know what they're doing? They're seeing the worst inside them and blaming it on you. We're all sinners. You can't reject God because a person is imperfect and you don't like the way they carry themselves. We're the body of Christ in the earth today. And that'll set you free. No one can make you feel guilty. No one can put condemnation on you. Just know that it's a cry from their heart. God, the Holy Spirit's addressing the issues on their heart. And they're trying to throw them back on you. Say, I love you. God wants you to be restored to a relationship with him. James 1 and 2, this will encourage you. Consider it pure joy. Yes, pure joy. Think about pure. Think about pure gold or think about pure silver. Not, nothing phony or fake added. It's not half and half. It's pure. It's 100%. It's his most valuable. So he's saying here, all this joy we're talking about that comes from the Father, you need to, to take it to the bank that this is taking place. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The biggest challenge I see with us is we don't let God finish what he started. It's painful. You might as well just stick with it till it's over, right? It's like walking out of the hospital halfway through surgery. God's producing something in you, and it's joy. You have joy because of what you're going through. It's not forever. You're not going to stay there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ride the ocean of emotion during the holidays. I want to be so steady. I want to be so fixed on eternal hope that everything I do, the celebration, the holiday meals, the gift exchanges, the challenges with family members, and I know you're going to have some, so don't look at me like that. Whatever it might be, it's not going to determine your level of joy. It's not going to determine my level of joy. My joy comes from the Lord and my hope is in Him. <laughs> Colossians 1.27 To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. I'm going to stop right there, leave it on the screen. That's you. Did you know that? You're a Gentile? Say, that's me. Say it again. That's me. Good. <laughs> to them God has chosen to make among, known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You want Scripture to come alive and, and work in your life? Make it personal. 
confess it as though it is yours. It's not a song that you sing. It's not something you just memorize. You say it. And you say, that's me. That's me. That's for me. You may not be able to trust in the news, and I don't trust in any of them. You may not be able to trust in our government. Nope. Our economic stability. But you can trust in God. And when you do that, when we do that, we can be a recipient of something so much better than anything this world has to offer. Romans 5.13 May the God of hope, that's my God. My God's the God of hope. That's his name. Hope is his name. When I encounter my God, I have hope and I am hope-filled. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm overflowing with hope. It's shooting out my fingertips and my eyeballs and every hair follicle that's remaining. It should be pouring out of you. This doesn't get you excited. I need to pray for you. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of not just a little, not just part, but overflowing. I want to challenge you. Make that your prayer for yourself and others. You see someone who's a Debbie Downer coming at you? Nope, you're, you're overflowing with, with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Change the subject. Start speaking over them and to them and pray that over yourself and for yourself and for your family before your feet hit the floor. Declare that. I'm overflowing with joy and peace because I trust in you. I'm overflowing with joy and peace because I trust in you. Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Is this great news? Is this the best news ever? Our daughter is named after that verse. Christine said Allegra. Allegra was a girl's name we had long time before any of the other other disappointments and before the miracle and then and then for some reason I felt like well man that's Christine's name I don't have any part of this and I found this verse and Allegra means lively and so we said she's our living hope She's our representation of, of Jesus Christ, the living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you don't know, she was a miracle. That, that girl was a miracle. It was impossible for Christine to have children. And so, man, you know, it was impossible for you to be saved until Jesus gave his life for you. You were headed for darkness and hell and for forever torture and torment. Now you're born again into a living hope. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, not because he was a historical figure, a good man, a rabbi, but because he was the Savior of the world. He was God, and he died and rose again. 
That's good news. That's what Christmas is about. So will people around you know the truth of the season? Will they know it? Will they catch a glimpse of your joy? Or will they just see the stress and the strain, the overtiredness? People should hear the voice of faith when you speak. I I know you're going to have days. It's okay. I don't want you to be fake, you know. I don't want you to deny that you're going through something. But you understand what I'm saying. They should hear a sparkle, a glimmer of hope, even on the worst days. Just watch the biographies of people that have gone through hell. There's something about resiliency. There's something about people who who have been through much worse things than we have. I look at them and all of a sudden I feel like a wimp. I'm like, man, I need to pull it together. Like you've been through some stuff and and you're, you're making much of it. And you're making much of praise to God. I've got no excuses. So I have a confession uh, that I just want to read. And I want to invite you to say this. I'm pretty much done with my message. I want to invite you to say this after me. Um, And it's optional. Because you don't know what I'm about to say. And if, if, if you don't agree with it, you might not want to say it. But I remember so much. It was so powerful to me. You know, Pastor Walt used to do this a lot with his messages, especially on Wednesday night. He would teach on something, and then he would write a confession. Do you remember those messages? I hope you have those. I hope you kept those. We're really trying to get everything that he he preached and wrote put somewhere where you can still access it and where you can share it with the world. And we have a, a lot of it now on our website and on our YouTube channel. If you didn't know that, you can go and watch a lot of, a, a lot of his sermons. But he did this, and, and he was a good mentor and role model. And so there's a confession about hope, and I want you to repeat after me and, and believe it as you say it, and then I'm going to pray and close. And I really think we need to press in more in praise. You guys don't have to even... Sing to tracks, just come up here and get us back to that place where we were before and, and worship. And I want to invite you to come forward and make, have some prayer circles, pray over one another. As God wants to do something here tonight, he's already done something, but I just feel like he's, there's more to do. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so here's where you repeat after me. I'll try to say it in small bite-sized pieces so you have room. This is a season of hope. I'm walking in hope. I'm reflecting the hope of Jesus everywhere I go. I'm overflowing with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I totally trust in the Lord. I am filled with joy and peace. I'm overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Trials don't get me down. They just release more joy, more hope, more peace. Every day I wake up as a new creation who's been born again into a living hope because Jesus is alive forevermore. I am hopeful, 
in every situation. I am hope filled in every situation. The hope I have in Christ Jesus is contagious. God isn't a mystery to me, nor am I lacking anything from him because his rich and glorious mystery has been revealed to me in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. I believe what I speak from my heart right now. So I receive by faith what I'm speaking right now according to the truth of God's word. I won't speak against my own hope. I will say what the word says. I will pray what the word says. I will experience what the word has for me to experience. Tis the season of joy-filled hope. And I will walk in it and radiate joy and hope to everyone around me. I will experience a truly blessed, happy, satisfying Christmas because of the hope I have in Christ Jesus. Shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to reveal more and more to us your desire to fill us with hope, to give us purpose, to empower us to be full of joy in every season by your Holy Spirit. Make us agents of light and of hope in this dark world. Speak to us about needs around us. We want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. We want to be led by your Spirit, not for the pursuit of religion or religious works, but for the sake of your glory and the expanding of your kingdom and your will in the earth during our lifetime. Forgive us for losing the meaning of the season, getting lost in the symbols of the celebration while forgetting about the reason for the season. We don't want to squeeze time with you into our busy schedules. We want to build our lives around our relationship with you and with your body, the church, the hope of the world today. I'm asking God, and we're agreeing together, that you would awaken and empower your people as joy-filled, joyful agents of hope during this Christmas and Advent season. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.